So today, I'm recording for the ladies that are not here because there's women that wanted to be here, but the kids are sick, so they can't come, or the husbands are sick, so they don't want to come and get everyone else sick. So we're recording so they don't miss out. So what we're looking at this week is obedience, the litmus test of love. And obedience definition in the Bible. I'm going to read these definitions, but before I read them, I don't know if you are aware that uh, <laughs> words are being changed in our dictionary, personal pronouns. They're redefining in our dictionary what a male is and what a female is. And it's good that you know these things because especially the younger generation growing up, they're going to read the new definition of what a male is, what a female is, and personal pronouns, and they're going to believe the lie. So it's good to stay informed, to know what's going on. So I saw that this week. I was like, they won't stop at anything. But this is what obedience means based on what the Bible has to say. And if you remember, a long time ago, I think I mentioned about... Um, Noah Webster, the original dictionary that was made up in all scriptures. Yes. And we've lost that. I mean, it's all scriptures, yeah, at the 1800s version. Yeah, we used to have them when we gave away. But um, I want to read what obedience is in the Bible. The general concept of obedience, both in the Old and New Testament, relates to hearing or hearkening to a higher authority. You just think about the definition now, and it's like, how many people are going to want to change that definition? One of the Greek terms for obedience in the Bible conveys the idea of positioning oneself under someone by submitting to their authority and command. You think that flies in this culture? Another Greek word for obey in the New Testament means to trust, which is interesting. According to Holman's Illustrated Bible Dictionary, biblical obedience is to hear God's word and act accordingly. Erdemann's Bible Dictionary states true hearing or obedience involves the physical hearing that inspires the hearer and a belief or trust that in turn motivates the hearer to act in accordance with the speaker's desires. Thus, Biblical obedience to God means to hear, trust, submit, and surrender to God and his word. So you can look at our culture today and see how this is going to get lost. It's going to eventually get lost. Unless we continue to stand firm in what we know is true and hold up that standard, God's standard, that he never changes. But not, no generation. I mean, the Bible doesn't change for the culture. So, and that's something that the younger ones need to learn that so they're not let astray. So why do you think we're called to obey God? There's, there's a lot of benefits to obeying God, even though the world says it's not. There aren't. There is. Well, we'll look at different points here. Jesus calls us to obey him, really for our own benefit. And we'll look at scriptures to see that, that obedience is foundational to the Christian life. Hebrews 4, verse 7 through 
nine. Diane, can you read that? Sure. Real loud so we can get you. Hebrews four seven through nine. When Jesus had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to Him, was able to save Him from death, and was heard because His godly fear, though He was a son, yet He learned obedience by the things which He suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. To all who obey him. Where would we be today? You know, as I pondered that scripture, where would we be today? Where would we be today if Jesus was not obedient to the Father's will? Right. Right. No. no, I know. Yeah. So he paved the way for us. He really did. He paved the way for us, and we see that obedience is foundational to Christian life. We see the benefit of being obedient in Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27. Samantha, can you read that? Matthew 7, 24 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. <clears throat> so again, what are some of the benefits of being obedient based on Matthew 7, what we just heard now? And even through trials and tribulations or whatever that life will throw at us, we will be able to stand firm because of who he is and his word yeah. and his truth. Yeah, because reality is we're going to face the rains, we're going to face the floods in life, we're going to face the winds blowing, beating on our house that we feel like, I can't take anymore. But if we're obedient to do what God's word says, we find that we're not falling apart. <laughs> we really don't fall apart in the midst of it. God upholds us. Yeah, it's because of him. I mean, he's a firm foundation. So what was interesting in 1 Peter 1.22, it says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, another benefit. So when we obey God, somehow it's like, our souls are being purified. Our inner man is being cleansed and washed by the water of God's word. Through the spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another freely, fervently with a pure heart. So again, we're seeing there there's benefits to obeying the Lord. You know, to be able to be into Jesus said, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it in Luke eleven twenty eight. And that word keep in that scripture verse is palazzo, <clears throat> excuse me, and it's a verb. It means, listen to what Jesus was saying here. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And I apologize um, because I, I was doing this, this today and I just said, let me look up this word. I had already printed out the handout, so that's why you don't find the definition there. Um, for those that are looking for the definition, but listen to this definition. Now, this is based on Jesus in Luke 11, 28, saying, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That word keep means to watch or to keep watch. 
to have an eye upon to guard a person or thing that he may remain safe or to protect one from a person or thing to keep from being snatched away, lost or perishing, to care for, to take care not to violate, to preserve, to observe for oneself something to escape, to obey, to avoid for one's safety's sake. That word is packed with positive, positive verbs there. You know, we look at it as a negative thing, obedience. Remember the definitions we looked at? And I'll get this definition to you all. I'll, I'll send it to you so you don't have to try to write it all down. But when you read that, it's like, man, it's really to how benefit when we submit ourselves and obey the word of God. God's really looking out for us, keeping watch over us so we don't stray off. I always think about that picture of the shepherd and the lamb hanging on the side. I'm sure you will see that painting and he's like going to grab him. Well, that would be us. You know, I mean, if we didn't have the word of God, we'd just go right over the cliff. But God's word helps us to just stay on that straight and narrow way, you know, that he has laid out in his word. So we find obedience to God is really for our benefit. And Jesus is our example. You know, he submitted to the Father's book. Obedience is also an act of worship, which comes from a grateful heart. Grateful for the grace that we've received from the Lord. And we've looked at some of those highlights from our previous classes that we've been doing. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but all of Paul's prison epistles usually begin with what Christ has done for us. Notice he spends so much time writing on what Jesus has done for us. But then once he's done with that, he starts to instruct us in light of these things. This is how we're to live. In our relationships with other people. In marriage, children with parents, employers, employees, employees, with their employers, strangers, orphans, widows. Really, he shows us how to love one another as we love ourselves, how to walk it out practically. And I think about the put off and put out on handout, which really shows us, what we looked at last week, how to be holy as he is holy. Because again, he's our example. Remember how does a pianist master 10,000 hours and learning from their teacher, you know? So we benefit really from not only being obedient, but also that obedience flows out of a grateful heart when we're really aware of all that Jesus has done for us. We want to obey God. And it's not a duty, it's a joy. It's a joy, even though we might struggle. Let's say someone does something to you and it really hurts and you're really struggling with letting that offense go. But nevertheless, you wind up throwing up that white flag and saying, I surrender, Lord. I mean, I don't have to hold on to this thing. You know, especially when I look at you. You didn't hold on to anything, and, and no one was treated like you were treated, you know? So 
we learn how to submit to God and obey God as we're grateful to him, we learn how to live this out by doing what we read in Galatians 5, 24 and 25, where it says, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the spirit, we'll also walk in the spirit. And we'll be a living sacrifice, as Christ was. But we give it up our will. Not my will, but yours be done in this situation. So what we see, the next point, obedience really to God proves our love for him. Because Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So obedience is the proof of our love for God. First John 5, 2, and 3 says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. So we see there that when we obey the Lord, it just proves that we love him. That we love him. First John three sixteen to eighteen. I don't know if I have that on your paper there. I might not. I, I move things around today. It says by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. Again, he was an example to us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has his, this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And then 1 John 4, 7 through 11 said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You know, and again, it's just, if we're so aware of what Jesus has done from us, for us, we're going to love. You know, and again, it's not like, it's going to come like you have your, let's say you have patients that are like spitting at you and biting you, which I know you've experienced. But at the end of the day, you're like, Lord, I love them because I see a soul that desperately needs you. You know, and that's what you start seeing. You see a different eyes. You see someone that's so lost, even though you can get in it. Right, yes. But you can't stay in it. No. You know, if you truly been born again, you can't right. stay in it. Right. Because the Holy Spirit is there convicting yes. you. It's impossible, actually. Yeah, reminding you, how have I loved you? Right. I mean, you've spit in my face. You've bit me, haven't you? It's like, yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So if we say, I love God with all my heart, but we're not doers of his word, can someone read First John 2, verses 3 and 4? Is that there? I might have added that in. And if someone can look at First John 2, verses 9 through 11, and read that. Because sometimes what 
what I'll see in the years of counseling, we can have people come to us saying, yeah, I love the Lord with all my heart, and with all my soul. I love him with everything in me. But meanwhile, they are so full of bitterness, hatred, and holding on to an offense that happened like 20, 30 years ago and refuse to let it go. And it's like, something's wrong with this picture. So if we say, I love God with all my heart, but we're not doers of the word, what does 1 John 2 verses 3 and 4 say? Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Thanks. He's a liar and the truth is not in him. Now how do you think someone's going to react if you confront them with the scripture verse? You're a liar. I didn't say it. God's word says and the truth is not in you. Well, they have to wrestle that out with the Lord. You know, how many times have we had to do that? Where God is calling us to love someone that's really difficult to love, but we're wrestling with him. It's like, Lord, help me. Please help me. I need your grace. I need your grace. And then you find in that wrestling, you're loving that person. And you know it's coming from him because you know it's not you. <laughs> you know it's not you. What about 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 and 11? for repentance, right? I mean, there was a week we looked at repentance is needed for ongoing revival because there's times we can get in this. I remember this was years ago. I was struggling with a brother that was just so negative. I mean, everything was a black cloud, dark negative. And it was to the point that I was like, I don't even want to be around this person. I mean, I just, I didn't even want to be around. And God was dealing with me. And I was going through first John, and this like was like a, an arrow in my heart, and the Lord made it so clear to me, Rose, you need to love him. You need to love him and pray for him, because you're in darkness right now. And you don't want that darkness to grow darker. So you need to let God deal with you. And I did, I had to go and repent. I had to bring it to the light and repent and say, Lord, from this moment on, I'm choosing to love this brother. I'm choosing to pray for him and just believe that you're going to bring him out of this darkness that he's in. I mean, he was just, he lived under a black cloud that was continually over his head. So, so thank God for repentance, you know, I mean, because obedience to God proves our love for him and there's going to be times we'll be challenged in this area but we can still choose to love and choose to wrestle it out with the Lord because again we look at Jesus who's our example he's our example the next point there is God rewards our obedience by the blessing of a holy life we see that in Romans 6 13 Heidi can you read that Romans 6 13 neither yield your 
But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So now we see there that if we choose to be obedient to the Lord in this way, we can enter into that place of being an instrument of righteousness before God, meaning we're under God's grace so we can live a holy life. We don't have to be, um, sin shall not have dominion over us. That whole chapter you read in Romans 6 talks about walking in newness of life. And we see that we're under grace, Titus 2, I think of Titus 2, verse 11 through 14, and we looked at this when we were looking at the topic of grace. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. So grace teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. That's good news. God's grace helps us in this way, redeeming us from every lawless deeds as we submit and yield to the Holy Spirit and to the Word of God. He's purifying for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. People that were once selfish and just looked for self, and, but now they're looking to see how can I be a blessing to other people? How can I give myself away to other people? Romans 6.16, we see that as well. The whole chapter of Romans 6 is, is wonderful. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey? You're that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death, or of obedience leading to righteousness. So that word righteousness there means, uh, I, I put here a woman, a character, it could be a man of character, but integrity, mm -hmm. virtue, purity of life, rightness, correct, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. Mm -hmm. Isn't that wonderful? So when we're obedient, it's leading us to live a life that's full of integrity, virtuous, purity, rightness between God and others. We think right, we feel right, we act right according to God's word. So obedience really does, God rewards our obedience with the blessing of a holy life. Grace and obedience to God's word leads us to living a holy life before God and others. And you see that. I'm going to skip down to Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11, where it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. Thank God for that. And in keeping them, there's great reward. 
So there you see that spiritual blessing there. There's great reward when we're obedient to the Lord in that way. We see it again in Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in the season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So another spiritual blessing we see when we choose to be obedient to do what God's word tells us there, to meditate in his word day and night. We become like that tree by the rivers of water. We don't have to fear drought. We don't have to be anxious over drought or anything that's coming. Because again, we're founded on the rock. Our roots are going deep into the soil of who God is, Jesus is. And we're going to bear fruit. We'll bear fruit in those times. We won't be barren. So even though we may not see it now, just keep doing what you're doing because eventually you will reap a harvest, the fruit in your life. And it's not for you, it's for other people. It's for other people. Diane, do you want to read the next scripture verse there, John 14? Which one's that? John 14. Oh, going back. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's okay. Yeah, I just... Okay. John 14, 21, 23, and 24. He who who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And that's the greatest Mm. blessing of all. I mean, Jesus promises us that, that he will come to us and make Mm. his home with us, in us, with us, when we're obedient to him. All these scriptures really show us the rewards of an obedient life the blessings of living a holy life, prospering spiritually as we choose to turn off the world and go into God, you know, just listening to the things of God, filling our minds with the things of God. You know, there is a reward in that. So then, the next point there, I don't know if you remember the story of Samuel, in King Saul. This was actually in the Bible study, for those that do have the Bible study, where he said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams, for rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. This is a little translation. So because you have rejected the commands of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. So what we see there is it's pretty serious when we're not obeying the Lord in the way the Lord has called us to follow and obey him. We see King Saul, he had a half-hearted obedience, right? Samuel was sent to King Saul with an assignment. Does any of you remember what he was supposed to do? 
you're supposed to kill the King Haggai, 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 you're supposed to kill him, everybody, all the, take no um, um, animals, nothing, like, you're right. supposed to kill everything. Right. Kill and destroy everything. Right. Did he do that? No. They took, like, the best of all the animals mm-hmm. and they kept they, him alive and they brought they him back to the camp. Right. Yeah, yeah. Partial obedience. Yeah, yeah partial obedience is right. disobedience. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, 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 right. Disobedience. And that's what we learned from, from King Saul. Now, when Samuel confronted King Saul, how did he respond to Samuel? He basically blamed well, the man. Made me do it. The right. people yeah. made me do it. <laughs> no, it's their fault. Right. It's their fault. Right? Yes. And it's amazing because King Saul told Samuel, I have performed the commandments of the Lord. Right. Yes. So he was being deceptive about it too. You know, yes. and it's amazing to me how as you read that account. Saul finally admitted that he was wrong and that he did wrong. And you would think, wow, he sounds repentant. But once he started blaming, but it's the people that made me do it, you realize he wasn't repentant at all. So, you know, we can learn from him that partial obedience is disobedience. And Samuel was making a point to King Saul, you know, you can make all the sacrifices you want. But if you're not being totally obedient to the command, the assignment Jesus has given you to do, you're not being obedient. So you look at that and it's like, okay, where am I at in all of this? You know, where am I at in all of this? And there is a homework assignment that is attached to the handout that you can go through just to see where am I at in all of this? Do I, am I like do I partially obey in some things or because the reality is we can make all the sacrifices we want but it doesn't mean anything if our heart is not right in this area of fully obeying God and we're going to see the contrast of that with uh, Moses when God commanded Moses to build a tabernacle Mm -hmm. that was in the Bible study um we see that there was a benefit, a blessing that came with total obedience. Shekinah glory fell in the tabernacle. So when we look at obedience is better than sacrifice, it just you think about James 1, 22 and 25. I don't know who someone has up there if they can read that. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. Okay, so we see that again. There's that deception that comes if we're not being obedient. Yeah, if we're hearing instruction but not doing anything with it, it's we can very easily be deceived. However, if we continue 
in doing what God has called us to do, this one will be blessed in all we've done. So we know the next point that disobedience leads to sin and ultimately death. I mean, we saw that with Adam and Eve, right? Romans 5.19 tells us, for as by the one man's disobedience referring to Adam, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's referring to Christ's obedience, the many will be made righteous. For as in Adam all die, 1 Corinthians 15.22, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And something that struck me when I was reading through Hebrews this week, Hebrews 4, 19 and 18 and 19 says, Whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And you think about the whole Garden of Eden, hath God really said, unbelief. Unbelief. So you can see why in Hebrews it's called an evil heart of unbelief. Because that whole generation didn't enter into the promised land. It was just the young ones that entered. And it was an evil heart of unbelief saying, remember, I mean, if we go back to that definition, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scroll back there. Biblical obedience to God means to hear, trust, submit, and surrender to God and his word. So when we're in rebellion, which is the, the sin of witchcraft, right? That's what Samuel said. I didn't say it. Samuel said it. Disobedience is... I don't really believe you're good. I don't really believe you're trustworthy. I don't really believe everything your word says. So I'm not going to yield myself to you. You must have a hidden motive. Because you think about it, why didn't Saul obey God? But yet Moses did. And we think about in Matthew 7, what you had read earlier, the foolish man. The foolish man too doesn't obey. He doesn't do. So you see there's two pathways. Right? There's one pathway that leads to life. Jesus has showed us that way. He's obedient to the Father. He's our example. He's our forerunner. But then there's the path where leads to death. Man's way. Man's will. So we're constantly having to decide, okay, am I going to go God's way? Or am I going to go my way? Man's way. But knowing that if I'm not going God's way, I'm being totally disobedient doing my own thing. And I'm in rebellion. And I'm going to bear the consequences of that. Because we saw that with Adam and Eve, right? Disobedience brings consequences. 
the smallest point of disobedience is no small matter. This is from the Bible study. As with witchcraft, rebellion opens us up to the realm and influence of Satan. Samuel, I mean Saul, when when Samuel died, why was he going to a medium to raise him up? But he wasn't right. His heart was in rebellion towards God, and it just opened the door to other things. So this is where we have to look at it and say, okay, I see from Adam and Eve the results of their rebellion they're still paying the consequences for it Saul God took the kingdom from him gave it to David and Saul also lost a godly friendship and counsel Samuel but now let's look on a positive note there because that's pretty heavy, but it's in the Bible because the things that were written before were written for our learning, so we might have patience and comfort and hope from the scripture. So we want to learn from King Saul's mistake, Adam and Eve's mistake, just different ones in the Bible that were not totally obedient to the Lord. And then we want to look at the ones that were. This week as I was reading through Hebrews, just heroes of faith. It's like, man, they all trusted God despite the circumstances and they were obedient to him. So was Moses. When we are obedient, we're expressing to God our faith. God, I believe you. I believe what you said. Even though I may not see it, I still believe you. Because you don't lie. You're not a liar. You're not like man. Moses, just think about when he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. When they crossed over the Red Sea, that took faith. <laughs> Here he is standing in front of the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army is like right behind them, wanting to wipe them out. But God brought them through. He was obedient. God called him, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. In the beginning, he wrestled with I can't even talk. <laughs> but he still was obedient. He had to get his eyes off himself and trust God for the miracle. Because it was going to take a miracle for them. Well, when they passed through, then we read in Exodus 39 and 40, he gave specific instruction how to make the priestly garments in the tabernacle. They were detailed, specific. And he did it to the team. Key phrase that you'll see over and over in those chapters, as the Lord commanded Moses. 11 times, as the Lord commanded Moses. Moses did. Moses obeyed God to build the tabernacle. And when it was finished, he was totally obedient to the Lord. Then the Shekinah glory cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God's glory filled the tabernacle after months 
of obedience on the part of Moses and others. And remember, we're looking at why ongoing revival is needed, right? And obedience is a key factor in ongoing revival. God chose to manifest his glory in this way when his people had been faithful and obedient to him in following the specific instructions that God had given them. God of heaven came down and visited earth. And no one, not even Moses, was able to step into the tabernacle. So what we learned from the Bible study on this week of obedience, in God's eyes, nothing is more important than obeying him. Yeah. Only Jesus Christ is perfect, therefore, this is from the Bible study, only Jesus Christ is perfect, therefore, only he could walk in sinless perfection, perfect obedience. But as we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us from within, we grow in holiness. It, it, this is the process of sanctification, which can also be described as spiritual growth. The more we read God's word, spend time with Jesus, and allow the Holy Spirit to change us from within, the more we grow in obedience and holiness as Christians. And if we desire to see God's glory in revival and spiritual awakening in our day, we must return to him full obedience. I mentioned the Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith. It's kind of like you see when you read through their accounts and their stories that faith and obedience go hand in hand. Yes. God, I'm, I'm doing this by faith. Because I, I believe you. I know who you are. I know who you are. You don't change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you've always showed up and revealed yourself in every generation. I see it in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. You were always revealing yourself to man, wanting to reveal yourself to man. Why would it be different in our time? It's not. And hopefully as you get older, McKenna, you'll be saying the same thing. God, come to my generation. Reveal yourself to them. Because you did it to the old people. <laughs> right? And Ember, uh, Ember I always call her Ember, Everly saying, yes. My generation too. My generation too. Jesus, come to my generation. Obedience requires a daily, if not moment by moment, surrender to God. How many will say, It involves our love for God. We love Him. We're going to obey Him. Jesus said. But it also involves our will. Well, not my will. But yours be done. You know, and sometimes the Lord will bring circumstances into our lives and we can get so upset over him. With him, you know. I mean, I get prayer requests and it's always for good report. 
you know, going through this test, that test, or whatever. Good boy. And I said to Jeff the other day, I said, you know, Christians really don't want to suffer. They don't want to get sick. They don't want to go through anything. You know, we're praising God for good report, but what if you have the cancer, or what if you need to have something removed? Are we still going to praise Him? Yes. It's just something, and we have to realize sometimes God will allow these things to come into our life because He's after something in us. And He's getting us to wave up the flag, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And if this is the pathway you've chosen for me to walk through, let me be faithful in it. Let me be a witness in it. Let me see the needs of others around me that don't know me, that need to know me, that maybe you want to make my life a witness in the midst of that. We got things backwards here. We got things backwards here. So obedience is key. It's key. So for those ladies that are not here today, I'm going to have the handouts in the back of the church, so you can pick them up. I also have the other handouts back there from the other classes that you might have missed. Next week, we won't have class since we're having prayer on Friday night, and we'll start the classes back up the first week of January, I believe, that first Wednesday. So that class will be on a clear conscience before God and man. And I told you today, I think the Bible study will be done the end of January, beginning of February. So I think we'll have some of that. So, yeah. So I'm mentioning this online, so it's recorded for the ladies. So if someone can close us out in prayer, that would be wonderful. Lord, that 
we would just seek you for all that you are, Lord. And I just praise you and I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.